Stephen Alston came on on Saturday. Sorry, on Friday night. You know how he came on right at the end, and it was the going, going, gone. I was just so angry at the at the fact that, like, obviously the way the game had gone, and then the fact they were bringing him on, and I was being extremely sarcastic. So I was like, "Oh my goodness, yes, Blair Olsen is on this savior," and I was like clapping so loudly. And there was people around me who definitely did not know that I was joking and really thought that that was my solution. And I mean. Kirsten and Heather Wilson were in tears laughing because this man was like, that girl needs her head checked. <laughs> it's comic that it's all so tragic. It's that humdrum novel, old black magic. Let's have a laugh after we cry. Let's hope we live before we die. The silly clown's red nose is running. And it's tragic that it's all so funny It's crucial and it doesn't matter Vows of love are idle chatter To feel this good has to be bad I'm so damn happy that it's sad Dear listener, would you like to slap me? And the sad thing is I'm so damn Hello, and welcome to Draw, Lose or Draw, a weekly podcast covering all things Partick Thistle. Joining me today to look back on Friday night's defeat to Dunfermline, Heather Holloway. Heather, how are you? I'm great, thanks, Matt. Um, I'm excited to be on tonight as always, but it's 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 been a tough weekend. I always find a, a Friday night game a really strange weekend to get your head around and also a really infuriating game to look back on. Yeah, we normally record on Monday nights. We're recording on Sunday night today, and that this is going to disrupt the the sort of internal clock all week. I think we're going to be playing catch up for the for the rest of the week. Jamie McDonald's here. Jamie, I, I sold you a dummy there. I, you unmuted when I was mid intro, thinking you'd be into just first and Reese's absence. Uh, apologies. How are you? No, actually, I just did it after the the manager feedback about unmuting too slowly. But then I wanted to take a sip of my tea. I didn't want to make a noise, so I muted again. But well, what an intro, eh? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. <laughs> I don't think that was my feedback, but well, we'll move swiftly on. Um, David Forrest runs off a panel this week after being rested for last week's pod. David, how are you? I am doing very well. Um, I had a great weekend. Absolutely nothing to do with the official game, but um, a, a great weekend nonetheless. Busy running, David. Are you feeling rested and, and ready to go for the, the last couple of months of the season? Yeah, you know, as we're getting into that sort of midweek grind, absolutely, I'm I'm ready for it, yeah. Well, I'll stick with you then, David. I'll chuck you the start and 11 question tonight. Um, Ross Stewart came in for his debut and for Jamie Snedden, who Chris Jones said picked up an awkward training. Jack McMillan also came back. I think a welcome return for him was Eli Williams dropping out for him. No Dan O'Reilly, he was another one who got injured in training. What did you make of the team sheet when you saw it on Friday night? You know, hindsight being 2020, um, you know, I was I was quite relieved it was Ross Stewart that was in um in goal at, uh, at the start. Um I think we, we our, our you know gripes of Mitchell are well documented. Uh, but we also knew that Sneddon with his knee injury, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, he may, he may have actually picked up a legitimate knee injury. We simply don't know, but it's very convenient timing. But I felt that 
if you're going to sign Ross Stewart, you need to at least play him, else why would you sign him? I know goalkeepers are a bit of an exception to that rule, because realistically, un- unless in certain circumstances, you're probably not going to get a game if you're a second goalkeeper. Um, but I wanted to see what he could do. Um, it was only afterwards that I learned the absolutely incredible stat that Ross Stewart has not won a game of football since November 2020. I think was the the start from James Kearney. Um, and if I'd known that before, I'd have, I'd have been head in hands. Um, we just had seen him months all night, to be honest. But um, you know, McMillan coming back, as you said, welcomed. Really, you know, happy for him to be back. We missed him when he's not playing. And yeah, Dan O'Reilly. I mean, I don't, I don't want to, you know, bang the gavel too early, but. This really feels like a guy we're never going to see play for us, like at all. And it, it's mental. He played for Rafe Rovers, like he was one of our title rivals, and we signed him and I haven't played him yet. And obviously he was injured, but it's just it's just his luck, and it's just yeah. I was I was happy with the squad, but I mean I, I really want to see Riley um in there, and yeah, it is what it is. Heather, what did you make of the the game itself? Obviously, lots of incidents, but generally, do you think we actually deserved anything from the game over the piece? Or do you think 3-1 Dunfermline was a a fair reflection of what you saw? I think, naturally, we can talk about the fact that the defending was woeful. It's hard to judge, as you say, because there's been quite a lot of hysteria about what's happened with the offside goals, with referee decisions that haven't gone our way. We did create chances, absolutely. And, you know, we did get ourselves back in the game. And, you know, the result could have been something completely different had those goals not been chopped off. Our defence is so shaky. And the way that we set up for against, you know, set pieces that are coming into our box. I was really excited about Ross Stewart at the start when he was, you know, calling keepers and stuff and coming for crosses. But then, um, you know, he obviously had all the right ideas, but not quite the conviction to um to make it happen on the park but I don't know if I don't know the answer to your question to be honest Matt because I feel like my judgment of the game is clouded by the what ifs and the what could have beens I think McMillan definitely it was good to have him back he doesn't seem quite like up to match fitness Harry Milne was busy so was Fitzy to a certain extent Brian Graham got himself in the right places but I do feel that we almost lacked a little bit of quality in that final third. Some of the crosses that came in going straight out or like the kind of final passes, just not making it to the right destination. I think it was a really bitty performance, which just played right into Dunfermline's hand. And wow, did they want it. Like the, the celebrations from them and their, um, and their tenacity throughout was, was quite impressive. I think Bitty's quite a good way to describe our performance. We did create chances, but the chances seemed to come in sort of clumps towards the end of the first half and a little spell in the second half. But I think over the piece, obviously, if you take the two disalloyed goals out, which are obviously poor decisions, I, I don't think we were. It, it certainly wasn't anywhere near where we've where we've sort of hit the the standard at home, especially at home this season. Cause I think our home form has been been all right but I thought that was one of our poorest performances at Fahal overall and we'll go into the defending later but if we continue to concede daft goals from set pieces individual errors for the, the first and second goals as well if we keep doing that like you just don't deserve a game of football I think and we did play some nice football in, in spells but really 
on the whole, I don't think we can have too many complaints with the results. Again, if you take the disallowed goals out of it, which we will touch on a bit later. Jamie, I'll come to you. Tom Hosey has asked, do we need smaller goals in the men's game? Um, how would you assess the debut of Ross Stewart on Friday night? I don't think we need smaller goals. I think we need a better goalkeeper. Um, Stewart, yeah, he wasn't great, was he? Makes a mess of the first goal, to be honest. Kind of not a fantastic shot, spills it straight out. From I was in the land before, it's still in the opposite end, but from the first viewing, it looked like he fumbled the corner out. I know it's been said that it wasn't as bad. I actually haven't watched, I think I watched it by one, but I don't really remember, to be honest. Yeah, I also thought, I thought Stuart was taking a couple of odd chances. Like, I remember one instance in the second half, the ball comes, it gets passed back to him by either Milne or Nielsen. And instead of taking a touch, which he had time to do, he just just slices it first time. Not a very great pun. I just, yeah, I'm, I'm not very sold on him off that debut. And to be honest, I wouldn't be against David Mitchell starting on Tuesday. I'd be kind of happy to see David Mitchell in the starting 11, assuming Sneddon's still injured, etc. But regardless, if Sneddon's back, and I'd actually quite like to see David Mitchell get a chance now anyway, because you know, it's been a couple of weeks running now. We've been talking about goalkeeper errors, and it's just... I know you don't want it to start becoming like keeper tumbola and then it just changes every single week, but it's, it's very frustrating. Like it was mentioned earlier, individual errors. I mean, what is Aaron Muirhead doing for their second goal? At the time, I was starting to think, was that offside from behind the goal? But seeing it back, it's not even close to being offside. Muirhead just slows himself down, sticks his arm in the air instead of chasing the ball. It was very, very poor. Bad positioning as well. So that was infuriating. I also agree with what Heather said earlier about McMillan. I don't think he looked fully fit. On Friday, I don't know if we've rushed him back or not because like he wasn't making the same overlapping runs, the same frequency that he usually does with Lawless, and he just didn't look his normal self to me. Yeah, back on Rush I'll defend him a bit for trying to prevent that the corner where the Dunfermline's first goal came from. I think they both took a deflection. He's actually done an all right job of trying to keep it in, and I don't know if it's been out or not from where I was sitting, but I certainly wouldn't blame him for the concession of the corner. I think you've, you've got to sort of point fingers, not solely at him, because I think the, the initial strike from outside the box, we should be closing that down better. Nobody reacts to Stewart's save originally. Nobody really follows that back in, but it's, it's, it's not great goalkeeping to push it out where he did. The second goal as well, like I mentioned about Aaron Muirhead, I, I think it was last week or a couple of weeks ago, when we're protecting leads, and I know we weren't protecting leads, but could Muirhead get the defensive line five or ten yards further up the pitch is that something that is sort of within his skill set at the moment I think on on that evidence of for their second goal it's probably not that was a pretty dreadful bit of defending in that instance from your head and then even Stuart for that goal I don't think the decision to come out and then he, he goes down and makes it quite easy for their attacker to sort of dink over him I don't think that was great goalkeeping but then at the same time I've spoken about this on the podcast before Coming in as a goalkeeper when you've not played is, is so hard. And you're right, Jamie's he made a few strange decisions on Friday night. But like you said, if you get into the situation where you're just swapping goalkeepers all the time, none of them are going to be confidence, confident. So I don't know if Stuart's the guy we want to put faith in to, to have a run in the team. But it's really not the, the position you want to be swapping about every every week or every time one of them makes a mistake. So I think Doolan's got some some thinking to do there. David, do you want to come in? I was going to say, I'm, I'm going to uh, play the, the eccentric maverick here and say, would Keeper Tombola be such a bad thing? Like an actual Keeper Tombola every week. You can't you can't be unconfident because you're not being 
left out for any specific reason. It's not because you're bad or anything. What's what's this difference going to make? They're all, you know, they all have faults. Just have a raffle every week. Are Do that. We just putting the, the three names we've got in the raffle away. Are we extending we, this to anybody we, else? We, we could we could have like a guest one every week, I suppose. Like and then like you know you'd be raging and Kenny Arthur comes out the hat for like you know Dundee United away or something like that. But um but yeah no, it's it's a really difficult choice as a goalkeeper at the moment. All either lacking in confidence or lacking in a specific set skill set that that's holding them back and none of these are fixable really before the end of the season and yes it's really tough certainly as I, I don't think we can blame the, the we've been poor defensively all season to be honest and i don't think we can blame goalkeepers for that exclusively heather we're conceding a hell of a lot of goals from set pieces at the moment we've got a lot of listener questions about this how do we address the the defensive issues and specifically the set piece problem. Do you, have, do you have any ideas? I mean, coming to this as a very amateur hockey coach, I mean, they must go through who is marking who before the game and and how to set up in their positioning. We we seem to be a pace behind when the corner's taken, and I've noticed that a little bit because I where I stand in the Jackie House, uh, sorry in the John Lambie stand, it's just um like we see it and some of the movements our players just seem to be running behind the opposition team or not jumping, which to me as um, someone who's grown up being a, a football fan and really not understanding a lot all the time, but I feel like following your man and being at the same speed as your as as the man you're you're marking is step one. Step two is jumping at a corner. I really feel like the, that's the most simple thing to do. We seem to change up a few of the positions as well, and I and I think some people look a little bit confused about what they're doing. Some people were kind of pointing and shouting at each other during the set pieces, and I just sometimes think that doesn't always help. Both Snedden and Stewart seem to really struggle when they've got a player come on them and, you know, so they've got like a Thistle player, a Dunfermline player and them. They're kind of flapping their arms and just don't look very confident at all. The, I guess for me as a teacher, the biggest thing is overlearning. I, I've got some people, you know, I've I've had children in my class who've not understood things and the, and the best way and the only way to get them to understand it has been to just plow them with the same thing over and over again and I, so I guess my suggestion is the fact that we um we just need to practice corners for all of training or we need to make sure that we put um we just prevent any corners happening you know like dive dive for the cause bodies on the line don't let it go out for a throw in or so not throwing sorry corner but I just it's it's so painful to watch but I there was no confidence in that defense on 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 Friday there was nothing there was nothing good about it I remember when do you mind when Stoke had roared a lap from the throw-ins and teams when they had uh, like the ball and they were sort of pressured and perhaps given a throw-in away we just turned around I think there was the whole goalkeeper my house just turned around and toe pokes one out for a corner or maybe in that sort of situation with avoiding corners at all costs yeah well Kirsten some wacky yeah, stuff. I, I remember yeah. that that was always I, I love that that was always entertaining Kirsten said to me she was like she said what's it like to support other teams because she said like when we get corners she said I don't really feel that like confident about about a goal coming from it but I feel like other teams must think oh a corner against Thistle that's a it's almost a penalty you know um it's just 
it's just infuriating but hopefully it does seem to be something that could be fixed you know it's not like we've got like we're we're you know we're lacking a player in that sense just more that we need to get better at doing the at, at doing the simple jobs i think it's definitely fixable I think it'll be a hard fix because we do seem to be targeted at the moment, but it, it's a fixable thing. I think the additional Luke Macbeth is like extra height in there. I think that's a positive. But going back, do you remember the the sort of Scott Fox second season? And we seem to be conceding goals every week from set pieces, and that was him not coming off his line. And now we've got a, and a selection of goalkeepers. I think all three of them have struggled this season. Snedden for a spell, I think, earlier on his Thistle career did seem to be quite a confident goalkeeper coming for crosses. But he's totally lost that, I would say, in the last six months or so. And I think when he has been targeted and Stuart's been targeted on, on Friday there, we don't seem to... None of our defenders or the team who are defending the corners seem to get in and sort of try and disrupt the attackers who are disrupting our goalkeeper, if that makes sense. We just seem to sort of let that happen and, and get targeted too easily. So I think if... if an attacker goes and stands on our goalkeeper's toes. Somebody needs to get in there and push him away. We need to something. We need to sort of shake up, do something different. I think to to address this because we're conceding goals on a, a weekly basis now. David, you've had your hand up for a while. A couple of points that the header race, like I mean, obviously you mentioned about teaching about exposure to something is the way that you learn. I mean, I I coached people in my work a lot of the time and like new people coming in and stuff like that and that was my job for a long long time and there was various things that they weren't taught but they learned through experience and my strategy would be always when it came up I would take a note of it even if it wasn't relevant and then go back to afterwards and tell them do this do this and just every uh, by the end of like you get five days of them by the end of the five days they can do it in their sleep because you, you've you've hammered it into them so much and it, it it reaped dividends because for the people that that got that sort of overexposure to those certain things they were always absolutely banging at it because they knew when they went out into the big bad world they knew exactly what they needed to do because they had been you know hammered into doing it for so much and i think it, it, it should, you know Heather makes a really good point there um about that i would say as well with snedding obviously mentioned about confidence and stuff like that I mean, you look at Jamie Snedden as a record goalkeeper for clean sheets in a row, tied with, oh no, he usurped Jamie Snedden. And you look at, like, sort of, you know, the first time that happened, it was uh, Tunji Holt, Foz and Mayo. Is that right? Yeah. To the Tuna States Co. Yeah, there were so so many times that we went in that, what, 20-game run where we lost one game. And a lot of it was in the defensive solidity where... You know, Snedden was in and out of the team, but he was still contributing. And in the, the clean sheet record in the first championship season back and in the League One season, it was all about the defence and giving him the confidence to know that, you know, he is making a lot, a lot of mistakes and he is error prone. And he he must know that. He must know that that happens. But when he has a good front line in front of him who are able to cover for him and make sure mop up any mess or anything like that, he knows that. He isn't going to be punished horrendously if he does make a mistake. Whereas I think now because of the way our defence is set up and because our defence is so sort of bombing forward with Milne and McMillan and stuff like that, it's just a bit more exposed. And I think that's really what's causing it. So it, it really is the better the defence, the better Snedden is. And, and, and the same with Mitchell as well in that run as well, um, where he, you know, he was good because of the defence. 
it, it limited his responsibilities, so to speak. Um, so I think that you need to give him a bit of confidence and it, it, it starts by ma- making sure the defence absolutely rocked tight. And that's where Dan O'Reilly, I think, can come in. I think O'Reilly would really show that up with Nielsen. And I think that that could be um, the answer, but we're never seeing the guy play. So it, it's irrelevant. <laughs> I think you've touched on something interesting, David. I think when you look back at the, the defence that played in front of the goalkeeper and the, the clean sheet runs, that was the season where we were bemoaning the sort of attacking prowess of the fullbacks. It was like McKenna was in for a bit as well. We were playing Holt at fullback, Foster at fullback, and we were crying out for these guys aren't really offering us anything going forward. And now we've got Harry Mill and Jack McMillan, and, and they're offering us everything going forward. And they're maybe late. Well, there's not a maybe about it. They are leaving us more open at the back than basically centre-backs or very experienced older fullbacks would would have done a couple of years ago, like we saw with the guys I just mentioned. So I think that's a factor as well. And I also think, like, I don't think Aaron Muirhead's having a, a brilliant season. I think he's, a lot of games he's been all right. He's had a few stinkers. Lewis Nielsen, I think, has shown that he's got a really bright future in the game, but he has had a, a few stinkers as well this season. I wouldn't say as many as Muirhead. He's definitely had a better season, I would say, than Muirhead. Um, and he's a young centre-back as well, but I don't think Friday night was his best game. So we're definitely not pointing fingers at goalkeepers exclusively for why we've got such a poor defensive record this season. I don't, there's a, a, probably a longer and more interesting conversation to be had at the end of the season with where do we want to go? Do we want to still play this sort of gung-ho attack in football? One of the best attacks in the league, one of the worst defences in the league. It's, it's definitely a balance I think we might need to address. Do you sacrifice one of the attacking fullbacks for that? Do you try and sort of clog up the midfield? Um, maybe Bannigan and Macbeth sort of forming a partnership in front of that back four will will help. But I can't remember who said this. It might have been Rhys Jenkins. Apologies if it wasn't. But Macbeth's going to be great when he's got a back four to protect that's protectable. And, and that's sort of where we're at at the moment. Like for all the work that's going on in front of them, it's as it a sort of dysfunctional back four from a def- defensive point of view and O'Reilly I think will help that but again I think that's something we might need to address in the summer along with the goalkeeping situation. David I will stick with you. Uh, I'm about to pull out a David Forrest classic here. Um, I know we're all very angry about the refereeing but how funny was it David that over six years on from Thomas Cherney bullying a linesman into disallowing a goal and us waxing lyrical about it on several occasions we, the, the the turns have been tabled and Dennis Mehmet has, has played us at our own game and disallowed a perfectly good goal for Brian Graham. Showing correction on a previous post of mine regarding shithousing goalkeepers who <laughs> bully offside out of You do not, under any circumstances, got to hand it to them. Um, I mean... It was, I mean, it was, it was an incredibly bad decision, and I knew it was an incredibly bad decision, right? Because a second that happened, my pal Kenny from work, who doesn't go to Thistle games and watches it on the TV, messaged me going, "That's a fucking dreadful decision. It's the worst decision I've ever seen." I'm like, and we never talk outside of work ever. Like we don't ever message each other outside of work. But he was so apoplexed by it that he had to message me, and then. I think I was I was with Kieran, Dave McCluskey and, and um, Smurf. And behind them, I think it was Kieran's friend, was a Rangers fan who said, that's a terrible decision. 
and I'm pretty sure Smurf had someone who messaged him who was a Celtic fan who said that is a terrible decision. It was a decision so bad the whole of Glasgow came together to really get annoyed about how bad a referee was doing. And, 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 you know, Rangers and Celtic fans never really talk about referees giving decisions against them. So, you know, mm-hmm. them piping up is, you know, <laughs> a rate occurrence. So, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it is very funny. But, um, I mean, I, I as I've said before, I'm very horizontal and laid back with football. It doesn't matter. It's a game. Get over it. it you know, the whole point is, is it takes you away from real life. It's meant to be an escape. And it might be bad, but it's also quite funny. da 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 da, da. I don't really get angry very often, but at that point, because because it wasn't VAR, right? You're used to when you go to a VAR game where you go and then there's like a delay when they're talking about it. But it's always been a clear and obvious decision. If you have to sit and chat about it for six minutes, it's not a clear and obvious decision. And that was the sort of thing where they both ran back. Everybody ran back. No, you know, it, no one there thought it was an offside goal. And then suddenly there was just this big farrago and everyone was like, what is going on? Because he obviously doesn't communicate. And then he didn't give it. And then at that point, you're just like, he could have been after the best referee in the world and get everything spot on and you'd still be raging at him. Like, you would still just be really annoyed because it's it's the principle of the matter and that he's pissed you off so much that nothing he can say is right anymore. And then, yeah... Yeah, I think, I think we should. <laughs> I think we should move on from the referee. Like, as like analysing refereeing decisions forensically is really boring. I think we all know we had two goals disallowed that shouldn't have been disallowed, uh, and the referee wasn't very good. But I don't think any referees that we've had this season are, are very good. Um, I don't think there's a conspiracy. I saw chat about oh, the refs are out to get us. If anyone wants to put that documentary together, I, I certainly would watch it. But uh, I think the refs are just not very good. Um, and unless anyone has anything <laughs> really insightful to say about referees, we'll move on. The only thing I have to say is I absolutely love the uh, this whole thing about the anti-party thistle agenda. I think um, it's becoming the new PTSD, uh, party thistle stress disorder. And, uh, and I, I look forward to it being many people's captions over the next few months on Instagram, but I agree, Matt. I think that we, we, we can complain all we like, but we lost the game and it's not changing. Referees in Scotland are notoriously awful. We've known that for years. And we also, we, we can moan and complain and rightfully so, but also we can't become like a broken record like other teams and we need to move on from it and, and, and get over it, to be honest. Um, Jamie, who stood out for you on, on Red and Yellow on Friday night? We've sort of discussed the negatives at length, but anyone get past marks for you? Yeah, a couple of players. Uh, Luke McBeth, I thought he was brilliant on Friday. I thought it was probably his best game for us. Really commanded the midfield well and managed to prop up with an assist as well. Uh, Brian Graham, obviously, he scored a hat-trick on Friday night. May have only been awarded one of them, but he did score a hat-trick nonetheless. So... He was a good player. I, I, just what you come to expect from Graham. He does seem to go through spells since playing for us when he'll play like four games in a row and score four in a row and then maybe go four or five and then it's another four. But he's in one of his purple patches right now and he's scored quite a, quite a few goals through it, so it's brown to see. Um, anyone else play well? Paul Fitzpatrick was good in the first half. It was kind of, we struggled to get him involved, I felt, in the second half. But in the first half, he was you know, giving their fullback a tough time and he was putting some dangerous balls into the box. But 
Uh, it's hard to pick Wolves with positive players when you can't really account any of the defence into it and the goalkeeper. It kind of takes out almost half the team from talking about it. But there's some good performances in there, especially impressive with Luke McBeth. I'll stick with you, Jamie. I'll ask you a question about Luke McBeth because every time we've, we've seen him, I think, Airdrie away, um, Inverness away last week and on a Friday, we've been really impressed with him, but we've not won any of those games. Why do you think the team has maybe struggled to, to click while he's sort of excelled individually since he came in? Why do you think that is? It's hard to put your finger on the exact reason, but one of the biggest things right now, we all know it, it's just a stupid individual errors. The amount of avoidable goals. And I wouldn't say Macbeth's been at fault for any of them. I thought that was a really good point made earlier about how he'll be great. He'll be good, even better, when he's got a better defence behind him. He can protect a more capable defence because... Right now, there's nothing he could do about the goals you can see the weekend. That long ball over the top, that's on your head. The goals up at Inverness, you can, Sneddon's definitely accountable for it. You can argue all three, but at least two of them. The defence is shocking for the first and third one at Inverness. The defence was really poor last night. The amount of goals we see from set pieces, it's, it's difficult to say what one exact reason why this is all going wrong, but it's just, for being honest, simply the defence just isn't good enough this season, especially the issue probably be coming from centre half. And Lewis Nielsen is usually, I'm very impressed with Nielsen during a lot of this season, but that was, I'd say, his worst game on Friday night. And it was not like him. His distribution was really bad. But yeah, it's, def- it's difficult to say exactly what it is, but I wouldn't say it's anything to do with like, Macbeth's fault. No, I, I agree with you. I thought his, his assist for for a goal that did count, that was a really clever header. That was really definitely done. and um, That was impressive. And yeah, he's, I think he's added a, something different to the midfield, a bit of physicality. He's breaking up play quite well. It, his, his energy is terrific, really, and he's good in the tackle as well. Um, and I think, as I mentioned last week as well, just a case of uh, Doolan sort of trying to maybe tweak one or two things just to get the midfield clicking a little bit better while he's in it, especially on the ball, I think. But I think that will come. Um, Heather, anyone else deserve a bit of praise for, for Friday night? To be honest, no. I think Jamie's hit the nail on the head with the, like I I'd I'd thought about Luke Macbeth and I'd you know Bannigan was Bannigan. I'm Scott Robinson looked busy when he came on. It was a shame that Lawless is potentially injured. Doesn't sound great. I thought Lawless had a few moments of magic, but also maybe wasn't his his greatest on on Friday. And yeah, Brian Graham, brilliant everywhere, but was really unfortunate. But overall, I think it, I think that that performance goes down as a terrible day at the office. Uh, last word on the game, David. Uh, one word answer to this question. Um, Daffy asks, can we blame the blame the drums and the Jackie husband stand? Yes. And we will move on. Uh, we travel to down to Air United on Tuesday night, probably tomorrow, possibly today. Uh, by the time you listen to this. Heather's just mentioned Lawless uh, injured, possibly going to miss this and, uh, and a couple of other games. David, what sort of game are you expecting down there? I've picked up a, a little bit in recent weeks. It's a bit of a tough one to read. Um, we, I, I think we would, I think for neutrals, we would be assumed to be the better team. But to use our old football cliches parlance, um, we seem to be sleepwalking our way out of the playoffs. And we, we've had a sort of sticky patch. Um, we're not dreadful but we're not really pulling out the results that we really should be and we're dropping points that are very avoidable eight and a half picked up a wee bit of momentum but I mean Somerset Park's always 
a great place for us to go. Like it's always good action. I think the last couple of years, every game we've had has been goals, 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 bar maybe one two. Um, but you know, there's usually a lot of goals in it, and I think that with Air coming up, obviously Air, Air and us have our have our battles, and we are very much on a parallel in terms of we always match up well um, in games, and it's always quite feisty. Their fans are always up for it. Our fans are usually, uh, you know, merry from a day out in air and, you know, always a big party atmosphere and stuff like that. So I think it'll be a really exciting game and I think there will be um, some goals in it. I think our wicked defence doesn't help with that. But I think that, you know, Brian Graham is, I mean, he scored on Friday. He scored twice against Inverness. He's in great form. He's in his wee hot run at the moment. And I think he'll be, he'll be up for this and I think that they will be annoyed I mean, Brian Graham certainly have a chip on his shoulder about you know all the refereeing decisions that we had because that you know that's just generally his vibe when it comes to these sort of things. And I think he'll instill that in the team, and they want to go out there and they want to show that they are still you know a playoff team. They're still in amongst it, and they're you know they're not going to be pushed over or anything like that. So yeah, I think it's going to be an exciting game, and I think it'll be a tough game. But yeah, I, th- I think it will be a, a good one for the neutrals. I think it's the best way to put it. Jamie, how important is it for us that Anton Dowds is unavailable for there? I mean, I'm glad he's not going to be available because obviously he's been in good form for them this season. I'm not overly shocked that Dowds has done well for her. I mean, I, he's done probably better than I was expecting, but you do look bad to start of last season. He was scored at a pretty decent rate for us, especially with limited game time. He kind of played almost a similar role last season to what Adloy's playing this season. Uh, sort of kind of off the bench, playing second fiddle to Graham sort of role. So I'm glad they won't have him. I think he's got nine goals, I think, for them in the league, which is not bad at all. So he'll be a mess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad he's not playing. <laughs> yeah, Brian Graham, actually, I'm just on Thistle Archive now, is Thistle's all-time top goal scorer against there uh, with, with 10, and he's managed that in a sort of relatively short spell at the club, you know, compared to some of the other names on the list of play. They are 152 times in Brian Graham. The top goal scorer against him, so yeah, you would you'd maybe put a, a cheeky fiver on him to get another on Tuesday night. Heather, do you want to kick us off with a, a score prediction? Uh, but first, maybe a little word on the team. How do you see Dylan dealing with the, the sort of probable absence of Lawless? I wonder if we go for a little bit of a change. We've spoken about the fact that we obviously didn't bring in an, another winger for um, in the January window. Naturally, would hope that O'Reilly was fit and would be able to play, but that's not about Lawless. I don't know if we bring in another mid. If, if I guess, would would the option be Scott Robinson and then and then having a bit of a shift, either him playing out wide or Kerr McEnroy out there. I know we've had Rico Diak on the wing a little bit for the Livingston game, but to me that wasn't a solution at all. I guess in, in one way, I'd love us if we went two up front and put Graham and Adeloy on at the same time and see if that would, you know, create something a little bit different. But I'm not quite sure about the shape. I mean, this is a question for, for people who like Jamie, who like under like who like love like all the formations, like a four, three, whatever. Like I just go like, oh, let's just let's just get everyone on the park who might who might score. Uh but yeah, so not really definitive answer there. I guess Scott Robinson starting would be I guess a natural a natural um change, but I I'd rate to up front just to kind of show a little bit of intent. Um 
I'll I, come back to you. I'll come back to you on the score prediction then, Heather, and I'll have a, a quick chat with Jamie about about great. the shape. Um, Jamie, I would sort of I would think what Heather said about Scott Robinson. I think that's the shout. I don't think McEnroy is effective out wide. I think we've seen that in, in bits and bobs this season. I think Robinson is maybe the most similar player we've got to the Lawless to Lawless in the squad in terms of sort of how clever he is. But I don't think he's blessed with pace. And I think maybe a sort of similar partnership could develop with McMillan. And I actually wanted to mention, I think I said this about Xander McKenzie last season, uh, this season about how it's great that he's getting minutes, but you don't want him to sort of become a guy that just plays everywhere. You sort of want him to get the minutes in his natural position. I, I was beginning to think the same about Rico Diak. He's, he's getting chucked on an awful lot out wide right. And I, I don't think that's really his game. I know he got his goal against Morton from there, but I think I'd like to see more of Diak through the middle. Um, do you agree with that? Do you think Robinson is the, the sort of natural guy to come in for, for Lawless? I think Dylan will probably up with that. The only other thing I could see him doing is tweaking a couple tweaks to the shape. And we could go to up talks. If you remember the Queen's Park away game, we played that formation where we sort of packed the midfield. Although Graham was sort of almost playing as a 10 that night, which I don't think worked particularly well. He's kind of playing off Adloy. But there are, there are ways we probably could do it. We could play, I don't know, we'll stick with four at the back but then play a diamond in the middle sort of pack the midfield and then go two up top if we are missing Lawless could potentially work but then it's the argument of who do you fit, where do you put Fitzpatrick at the top of the diamond you drop Robinson, I, I don't think that'll probably happen and I think it'll be more similar to what you said, Matt and Robinson are probably just coming as a straight swap for Lawless but I will, it is an interesting one though the fact that it is looking likely the loss is out, which is definitely not ideal I'd much rather just stuck with the same formation if Lawless was available than without, but I wouldn't be against just tweaking something to maybe try to go to up top, but I, I can't really see it happening doing, he's only started to up top once the whole time he's been here, I think, which was the game I just mentioned, is uh, Queen's Park Yeah, we, we didn't play well in that game at all um, I think you're right, Jamie, I think the problem with the, the, the change in shape is where do you play Fitzpatrick, because I think he needs to play from the left and the injury to Lawless has basically just highlighted the the lack of depth we've got at wide in the squad. And if I think if a, a loan in that in that area of the pitch is, is possible in the last few days of the loan market, I think I think we might need to be all over that. Uh, but yeah, that's that's one to look out for on Tuesday night when the team sheets come out. Heather, I'll come back to you for your your score prediction then. I'm going to go for a shaky two-one win. David. Score prediction from you, and how many goals is Brian Graham going to score? Uh, he will score two. Adoy will score one. I am going to go for a, a sensational blockbuster three-two. Jags win. Crikey, Jamie. Yeah, I think it's going to be a pretty tight game. I'm not expecting us to go and bowl them over like we did last time we played them, and especially in the second half last time at uh, Somerset when we won four 0 Don't think it'll be repeated that at all. I'm going to join Heather for two one festival. I'm not going to make it a full house. I'm going to go two two. I think I think we'll score. I think Graham will score. But even without doubts, I think air will make it difficult for us. Um, I think the tight pitch probably well. <laughs> not, I was going to the tight pitch doesn't suit us. I don't think a big pitch would suit us either because we can't play off side traps properly. But the, the small pitch won't suit us either because we can't deal with set pieces and balls under the box. Uh, nothing suits us defensively at the moment, so I, I I can't see us keeping a clean sheet. So I'm going to go two two. We will finish as we always do with Partridge. This up, David, on you go. 
sorry, um, I was say before before we go on, I just want to uh, I I had a wee point of order. I just wanted to give a shout out to someone if that's alright. Well, I'll allow it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, uh, I just I just wanted to add in because I went to a gig in Edinburgh and, uh, with a bunch of, a lot of my old friends who went hadn't seen ages and ages and ages, and there was um my my pal Ramsey um or John he's known as John or Ramsey depending on who he is, um uh, he I was talking to him and he came up to me now I don't I. None of my it's seen as a quirk that I support Thistle and the sort of punk metal community, and that's always he's the Thistle guy. Um, you know, and they'll give me this sort of ingratiation. How are the Jags doing this season? That sort of chat, but they don't actually care. He he mentioned he says, Do you do a party Thistle podcast? I was like, I mean, yes, but why do you know? So, um, he told me that one of his friends who he used to be in a band of him moved to the Hague in the Netherlands. He's not a war criminal. I have asked. It's, it's fine. Um, but he lives, in, he lives in the Hague now. And he was still good friends with Ramsey. And apparently he's a big Thistle fan. And he said that um, he listens to our podcast every week. He absolutely loves it. He thinks it's all very funny. And he thinks it's absolutely great. And it keeps him being a Thistle fan. So, Lewis, whoever you are in the Hague, um, hello. Because I found it very funny. That I went to, went to a, a grindcore gig and there was punks coming up to me asking about draw is or draw. They don't care about football. So, yeah, so thank you, Lewis. You gave me a big chuckle. Thank you very much, Lewis. Uh, David, just one point to pick on that. He said, we're all really funny. Yeah, he said, you're all really funny. Oh, I'd like um, rankings and, and senses of humour then. Well, all uh, right, okay. So he said I was funny, right? But he said that you're all funny as well. I tried to be nice. And you... <laughs> <laughs> and you hoisted me by my own petard. He, he he's a big fan. Excellent stuff. <laughs> uh, we will finish as we always do with Partridge Thistle. Now I was at a game on Friday night, and there was a, so a mild-mannered guy that I, I sat near, and he, he stood up and shouted. Uh, he's normally very mild-mannered. I think I'd, I'd heard him swear before Friday night. He stood up and shouted, "Ref!" ref twice as if sort of trying to get the ref's attention and then obviously when the ref didn't turn around he just went ah go fuck yourself now sort of out of context that's not very funny <laughs> but like if you're sitting there and you sort of know the guy is not a, a sort of ranter and raver I, I just laughed out loud it was it was very funny um so what is the funniest bit of swearing you have ever heard um jamie i'll start with you uh you said it was not a known ranter and raver i feel the person that i'm going to talk about two answers for it is a bit more of a known ranter and raver and that's Ian McCall um I just wanted to make it festival related the first one I don't know if you remember this but back in the opening day of the 21-22 league season we beat Queen of the South 3-2 at home and the Queen of the South captain at the time Willie Gibson was doing an interview with I think the BBC and Ian McCall like, walks by behind him and goes like well played Willie and then he turns around and goes like oh thanks Ian and then Ian McCall's parting shot he's walking away he goes like Fanny and then it cuts off and they left it in they left it in the Queen of the South interview <laughs> and they left it in the BBC interview I remember at the time it was bizarre I remember tweeting about it at the time and it was it was very funny I'll send it into the chat after this and another one from McCall as well this isn't as as good I just remember it from the time we were playing Stenhouse Muir away I think it might have been the 4-1 game in the Challenge Cup in the 1920 season and um, McCall was like shouting instructions from the side. Really long highlights with no commentary for some reason. So you could hear everything that was getting said. He's shouting a bunch of instructions. And all of a sudden, Jags one goes silent and they've tried to bleep something out. And the minute the bleep ends, all you hear is McCall go like, oh, for fuck. 
fuck's sake, and then it cuts off again. So they managed to bleep out whatever he said before and after, but they left that in. So I always remember that at the time as well. It was just McCall was a, a quite the character, an entertaining guy to listen to. Always welcome on the draw loser draw airwaves, Ian McCall. On Ian McCall's swear stories, I've told this one before, but I remember that we were it was a four two defeat at Capital maybe about fifteen years ago. And I think we were four 0 down. Um and it was obviously very quiet in, a, in an emptying away end. And Ian McCall with his, his little clipboard notebook at the side of the pitch writing away. And somebody just gets up and goes, how many times can you write shite in that little book, McCall? Uh, another classic there. Um, Heather, you any good ones for this, this partridge? Well, when I was growing up as a Thistle fan, my brother um, was a little bit older than me and was maybe like learning his um, his vocabulary for older, you know, um, in his older life. And um, and swearing in front of my dad and, and my family isn't really like a it really, really, we don't we don't swear at all. Um, but also it was like, you know, I, I was nine years younger than 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 my brother and all his friends. So they would make words like normal words for um in replacement of a swear word so we had the classic like fudge and sugar um but one of my favorites was um we'll call like we call people a bread maker and I just remember like it was like I, I think we were losing at Cowden Beef or something like that like or maybe East East Fife just somewhere like somewhere extremely tragic and um and I remember like one of my brother's friends just went like like oh you absolute bread maker and uh, and it was and it just and it's that kind of thing you only hear in a you know in a thistle stand somewhere and it was all to protect my little innocent ears from from learning bad words but um yeah that's that's my swear story. Well, I'm sorry we have exposed your ears to some foul and abusive language on tonight's episode, Heather. Um, David, I'm sure you're going to round us off with, <laughs> with some more. Oh, absolute cavalcade of them, yeah. Um, <laughs> not, not to go all heart and hand on this one, right? But my favourite one in football ever is um, when Rangers played Red Star Belgrade and they got, I think it's like 1989, 1990, something like that. And uh, it was when Graham Smith and Walter Smith were my uh, co-managers. And Suna sent Smith to Belgrade to scout on them. And um, he went away and he scouted and watched some games, training, like spied my training and all that. And he was meant to bring up this big, huge dossier of stuff for them to do and all that. And he just sent back his dossier and it was two words and it says, we're fucked. And I thought that was very funny. I love that. As well as that, I remember I went to see uh, Wisher Juniors got in the Junior Cup semi-final a couple of years ago and I went along and the manager was absolutely obviously it's a high pressure thing it's a cup semi-final and he was not taking it well and one of his own players like ballooned a free kickle for the bat and he just went you can fuck right off at his own player which i thought was quite good yeah but i, I really like the uh bread maker i think the referees at bread maker is a great um great um chant and the, the, my favourite one is still the how many times can you write shite in that wee notebook, Nicole? I just, <laughs> nothing will come close to it. Uh, we'll wrap it up there this week. Um, we released a, a special bonus episode, the Spice Boy 11. We released that on, on Saturday, so make sure you listen to that. Um, so two episodes for you this week. We will be back next week to review our trip to Somerset Park and our home game against Dundee United and then preview our trip to Hamden to face Queen's Park and a rearranged home game against Wraith Rovers. 
In the meantime, stay safe.